So, today is a special day. Um, for me it certainly is, and I'm sure for many people here as well would have received chocolates or socks and things like that, and because today's Father's Day. And Father's Day, it's, it's good. I know, I know, you know, it's a commercial, um, commercially driven thing and all the rest of it, and some people are very cynical about it, and I used to be until I actually became a father, and now I quite like it. So, <laughs> so there I was this morning, laying in bed at, um, I must be about seven o'clock, and suddenly, um, a little voice starts singing Happy Father's Day to the tune of Happy Birthday. Um, and uh, I, I, I laid there and I said, um, I said, you're going to come in? Thinking, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm nice and warm in bed, I don't really want to get out of bed yet. And then um, I was politely informed by the little voice that um, he wasn't in a position to, uh, to enter the bedroom just yet. So we waited for a few minutes, then we heard the flush and the washing of hands, and then he came in. And... Um, and Tim was great this morning. He brought me some presents, didn't you? Yeah. Do you remember what, do you, remember what you brought me? Um, some cufflinks. Some cufflinks, yeah, that I'm wearing at the moment. Yeah, they were very nice, very useful. And a card that I made at school. A card that you made at school, yeah, which had a brilliant picture on of, of us playing cricket. It's lovely, really, really good. <laughs> yep, I told you I liked Father's Day. Yep, that's right. There were there were three three bottles of beer, weren't they? Yeah, and a cricket book. A cricket book. Yes, that's right. A cricket book writ- written by a Baptist minister, and um, it's <coughs> uh, you're you're going you're to get sermons full of this for the next year. So you know, I apologise now, but um, it's written by an ex-minister, and it's full of analogies between the Christian faith and the game of cricket. So I can't wait to read that. That's 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 brilliant. That's just just written for me. So um, yeah, it's been a good day so far. I'm I'm really excited. Um, but the reason I wanted to mention that is because this morning I want to talk to you about beer. Not a not a particularly popular subject for Sunday morning sermons, I grant you. But this morning, when I was presented with this bag with three bottles in, they were three bottles from a tiny little microbrewery in Cornwall. In half term, we went down to Cornwall for the week and um, we went to a little fishing harbour with a, a, a little beach called Coverack, just, uh, well, just on the side of the Lizard Peninsula. And there was this tiny little microbrewery and... It's, it's, like I say, it's in the old nuclear bunker. I, I never really thought of Cornwall as being under threat, really, of needing a nuclear bunker, but, you know, um, clearly they felt it was at some point, but they don't anymore because they've put a brewery in there. And when I opened these bottles, well, when I opened the bag this morning, I saw these bottles in there, I thought, oh, that's lovely, that's, that's, that's really thoughtful, that's nice. Um, and it reminded me of a couple of years ago when we had a day out in Southwold. And in Southwold is the Adnams Brewery. And the Adams Brewery is a, is a very, very old brewery, and it's, it's great. You can go there and have a tour, and it's really interesting. You know, even, if you, even if you don't drink beer, then it's, it's fascinating to hear about the process and the history. And one of the things I always remember is a story about the yeast. You see, I just thought beer was beer. I didn't really have much understanding of the whole process of how, how it's made. I just thought it, it was 
just produced, a bit like, a bit like bakers make bread and that sort of thing. But in a brewery, yeast is the most important thing. You see, when, when you begin brewing beer, apparently um, a brewery has its own yeast and it, it's, it's affected very much by the conditions it's kept in, the air, um, the moisture, all that sort of thing. And very quickly, the, the yeast becomes unique. And so that beer that, that is produced, um, that the, the, the um, yeast is used in the production of, has a unique flavour. And every brewery is slightly different. During the Second World War, Southwold, being on the, on the east coast, was under threat. And there were often bombers that were limping back to Germany and they still had some, uh, some bombs left and they'd want to get rid of the ones. They would just drop them randomly on any English town that they happened to see. And Southwold was bombed. And so in the, in the brewery they thought, right, if we get bombed and our yeast room gets hit, the yeast will die because yeast is a living organism, even though it just looks like a pasty lump of nothing. It's alive. And they had to take some of this yeast, and they had to preserve it and protect it, and actually sent it away to another brewery inland, um, in a place that was uh, at virtually no risk of being bombed. And it was kept there for the duration of the war, and it's a good job that it was, because the brewery was bombed. And actually, it was, it was bombed, and the water source... The, the, the well that they used to draw water up from was destroyed. And so, for a time, they had to use a different water source, which, again, affected the state of the beer. But that yeast was protected. It was kept. And at the end of the war, when the, the brewery was rebuilt, it was brought back. And so, Adams can still say today that the yeast that they're using is, is well over 100 years old because they've nurtured it, they've kept it, they've protected it. You see, I remember my mum when, she, when, when I was young. Well, she was younger as well, obviously. That's the way these things work, isn't it? Um, she was baking bread once. And she suddenly heard this exclamation from the kitchen. Oh, no! I thought, what's, what's going on? And she said, oh, I haven't got any yeast. She used to use the little packets of dried yeast. And I thought, so what? It's this tiny little pinch of stuff that you, that you put into the bread. So what, Mum? And I remember her explaining to me that actually without, without the yeast, it, it wouldn't rise, it wouldn't be nice, it'd just be this thick, horrible, doughy stuff. Um, <laughs> which her bread sometimes was, to be fair, anyway. But, but she explained to me the importance of yeast. Paul talks about the importance of yeast in his letter to the Galatians. He's talking about preserving ourselves about not letting ourselves become flat and doughy, become flavourless and unpleasant. He says to the Galatians, you were running a good race. Things were going well. You were, you were building a church. You had it all. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? In other words, what, what was the distraction? What have you been distracted by he says, that kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. A tiny bit of yeast, it works through the whole batch of dough. It, 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 can, it, can, it can work through gallons of beer. A tiny little bit of yeast. 
because yeast is alive, even though it, it appears to be tiny and insignificant compared to all the other ingredients. It's the living thing. It's what, it's what, it's what brings life to, to make the dough rise up in the oven or to, to make the beer um, ferment and, and, uh, and brew. It only takes a tiny bit of yeast to make that difference. But without it, the ingredients don't change. Now, of course, in the baking of bread and the brewing of beer, yeast is a good thing. Yeast is a positive ingredient. But what Paul is saying here is that in us, if we let a tiny bit of impurity into our lives, then we become distracted. We can so easily have our heads turned. Our, our condition, our approach to life, the values that we hold, the, the priorities that we keep, can so easily change. And suddenly we find that God has, has drifted down that list of priorities. He's suddenly on the periphery rather than being the central focus of our lives. Now for many people, Father's Day isn't a particularly happy day. For many people, they don't like coming to church and hearing stories about a loving father because they think, my father wasn't there. He didn't love us. Or they might think, my father died young. That's quite a painful memory, thinking of what might have been. Or they might think, my father was angry, abusive, even violent. For some people... Father's Day is a very difficult day. In my, when I first began preaching, I've been preaching for a couple of years, and, and I preached a sermon one Father's Day, and I got a long email from someone saying how they'd been an orphan, and Father's Day for them was, was a very, very, very difficult day. And, um, yeah, they didn't like the idea of celebrating Father's Day. And so, why? Why do we put so much so much importance on the role of the father. Well, actually, I don't think Father's Day is just Father's Day. I don't think Father's Day should be a celebration of the father. I think that actually it's good for us to have a reminder during the year, on a regular basis, be it Mother's Day, Father's Day, birthdays, Christmas, Easter, whenever it happens to be, a celebration of the people in our lives who have been positive influences on us. Today is not purely a celebration of fathers. And if you've had a, a, a very poor experience, if you, if you struggle with the idea of Father's Day, then drop the fathers. Drop that bit from the title. Instead, just think today of someone who has been a positive role model in your life. A positive role model. Someone that has, that has protected us. Someone that has kept us running the good race that Paul talks about. Someone who has protected us from, from those that try and cut in and stop us from obeying the truth. Someone that has, that has prevented us from being persuaded to the world and abandoning the ways of God. You see, no matter how difficult our past has been, we will all have people that we can think back to, that we have looked up to, that we have respected people that we look back to now and still think I'd like to live my life the way that person did. We can spend so long, can't we, focusing on, on the negatives of life, focusing on the bad news. Actually, God will have put people in all of our lives 
who brought good, who brought love, who brought enthusiasm and, and positivity. So on this Father's Day, sometimes some of us will be able to look back and say, I had a great upbringing, I had a great childhood, I had a great father, and I'm pleased and proud to celebrate that. But actually, whoever it is, whoever we happen to look to, let's just look beyond that. Thank God. Thank God that we're sitting here today. Thank God that that we have all at some point had a positive role model. Give thanks and celebrate that. That's the day that, that's what we should be marking today. That's what today is all about, is giving thanks and, and marking the people who have contributed to our lives in a positive way. Not focusing on the negatives, not being haunted by bad memories. But of course there's a flip side, isn't there? Because Father's Day is important for me. It reminds me of my responsibilities, my duties to make sure that this little life sitting over here, paying no attention whatsoever to what I'm saying, is brought up in a positive way to make sure that I can be that positive role model, that make, to make sure that, that when he is the age that I am now, he can look back and say, I had a father who was a good role model. I'm also aware that when I go into schools or when I do youth work, there are people that will look at me as a role model. I need to make sure that even when I'm not expecting it, even when I'm not expecting to be looked on as a role model, I should still be acting in the way that I would want them to see me act. Everybody sitting here today, regardless of how young or old, regardless of whether you've got a big family or no family at all, I guarantee there will be somebody at some point that will look up to you as a role model, who will look to you as an example of how to live life, who will look at the the qualities and the characteristics that they see being lived out. And then they'll imitate them. Because that's what, that's what kids do. Even, even big kids, they still, they still mimic what they see. I can be standing in front of a mirror at home brushing my hair and I'll suddenly have a little shadow standing there brushing the same. Or I can be cleaning the car on the front driveway and there'll suddenly be this little shadow with a toy car next to me washing that. Or cutting the grass, we have to get a toy lawnmower. We've got a toy barbecue. All these things. Even, even I've started brushing my shoes more regularly now because he's got school shoes to clean. You see, all these things, because I'm aware that what he sees doing, me doing, he will imitate. In the same way, I have to be very careful. I have to make sure that I don't set a bad example because that can be so damaging. I don't want to be, be like the yeast that Paul talks about that, that works through the whole batch of dough that completely changes the batch of dough to an unrecognisable state. Instead, I want to be like the yeast which is used positively to change for the good, to make that that bread the best it can possibly be or to, to brew that beer to perfection. Each and every one of us here today is a role model to somebody. At the end of this sermon, we're just going to spend a a couple of minutes just just thinking about the people in our lives that we we have looked up to in the past, or maybe still do now, and give thanks to God for putting those people into our lives. But maybe more importantly, we're going to have a think in prayer 
about those people that we come into contact with. It might be children, it might be grandchildren, it might be neighbours' children, it might be... It could be anybody. It could be children that come into this church. It could be children that we see when we go to, to Perry Street or Sunnymead. It could be anybody. Not just children. It could be adults as well. People that look at us and then imitate what they see. Each and every one of us can make a difference in this world. To ensure that we keep running that good race. We need to ensure that we, we keep focusing on God, that we live lives that, that, that emulate the life of Christ. We won't, we won't get it right because we we're not perfect. None of us are perfect. Of course we're not. We've all had that little sprinkling of, of, of impurity. That's why we need Jesus. That's why we need the cross. That's why the Christian faith is so important. Because we can stand before God and know that we are redeemed, that we are forgiven because of what Jesus has done for us. But despite the fact that we are sinners, we still have a duty to do our absolute best for God. To live lives as close as we can to being Christ-like. So that when other people look to us for an example... When other people are struggling in life and need some direction, when they've got decisions to make and they they need some wisdom or discernment, they can look at us just quietly without making a big thing of it, without even telling us. They can see the way that we live our lives and they can see the goodness of God reflected in that. That's how we make a difference. Last week, the and the sermon was all about treasure in heaven, wasn't it? And I, when I was preaching up at Perry Street, I made the point that that's not material treasure. The treasure, the thing that God values above all else, is people, is mankind, is you and I. But it's also the people out there that don't yet know him. And so, I, I avoid using the phrase treasure hunters because it's incredibly cheesy, I thought. Um, but in effect, our job here is to store up treasure in heaven by reaching out to as many people as we can, being that that good influence, being the one that preserves them, that protects them, that stops them getting sucked in by the ways of the world and instead gives them an alternative. And hopefully, our hope is in the fact that one day they will turn to Christ. They will know God as their their God. They will recognise Jesus as their personal saviour. And in that way, That's treasure for heaven. Because that means that one day they too will be in heaven. That's how we can store up treasure. By building God's kingdom, by adding to those riches. There's only one thing in the world that God thinks he's worth paying a price for. And that is his children. Us. Now he's paid that price. So as we go out into the world, let's just make sure... A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. A little yeast can live for as long as time itself, if it's protected, if it's looked after, if it's nurtured, if it's encouraged. In the same way, we have the Holy Spirit in us. Let's spread it. Let's, we're not emptying ourselves of it when we share it with somebody else. Instead, it's a living spirit. It thrives, it grows It knows no bounds. It's God's spirit. God's Holy Spirit. 
So in the presence of the Holy Spirit now, let's just take some time in prayer to recognise the good, good people, the good influences, the role models that, that God's put in our lives. And then to recognise the duty he's given us influencing the lives of those around us. I'll lead us in prayer and then I'll leave a short time for us to reflect and to give thanks personally. Lord, we give thanks that when you sent your son into this world, he taught us how to pray. And the opening line of the prayer that he gave us was, Our Father. Lord, we give thanks Encouraged. In fact, we are given permission to address you, God of the whole universe, as our Father. Lord, we give thanks that whenever we drift offline, whenever we lose our focus and get distracted by the, the priorities of the world, we can come back to your word. We can... We can be guided by your Holy Spirit. Father, we give thanks that you have not abandoned us, you have not left us and given up on us. We are not an isolated people, but instead we are a people whose God is very much present with them. And so Lord, we, just, we pray now in, the, in these few moments, we give thanks for all the people that you have put in our lives for the positive role models that you have given us, for the ways in which they have, have protected us from worldly influences, for the qualities that we have absorbed from them. We give thanks to you, O oh Lord. And Father, we pray also that you'll just bring to our minds all the people, be it children or teenagers, be it adults, whether it's neighbours, friends, family, colleagues, <clears throat> whatever it happens to be, whoever they happen to be, Lord, who might look to us as role models, as positive influences. Lord, may we set a good example as Jesus set us the best example. Father, in these moments, hear our prayers. Lord, we know from your word that so often when you, when you called your disciples, you simply said, follow me. And you. Father, we pray today that you will help strong in our faith, that we may follow you in our lives on a daily basis, in all that we do, serving wholeheartedly. And that through that, other people will look to us see the lives that we lead, see the attitudes that we, that we express, see some goodness in us and see beyond that, beyond things to you. Father, help us to be the best role models that we can be. Help us to, to put aside our past and to focus on the to be strong servants of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
I'd encourage you this week to just give that some thought because it's so often that people miss, um, miss these opportunities. I remember when I was down at Christchurch in Stock, there was a lady there who used to be a Sunday school teacher and her version of Sunday school that she used to teach was that she'd get four or five young boys come into the class. They wouldn't listen. They'd be throwing bits of paper and pencils at each other. They'd be chasing around, screaming and shouting and it would be a real struggle to eventually just about get them to sit down and listen for two minutes before the end of the service. She, she said it was a nightmare. It was hard work. Their version of Sunday school was that they would go there, they'd have fun and then they'd receive teaching. And at least four of those five spoke about that lady at their baptism. So let's just bear that in mind. Even when we feel like we might be failing and not getting through, we can make a difference to young lives.